0: We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get
1: things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at at gmail.com or voicemail at 1 904 468 7889.
0: Hi, Bill. Welcome back from the holidays. Hi, Larry. Hey, you know, I haven't seen you since last year. Yeah, it's been a whole. What? A couple of weeks. <laughs> I was going to say a whole year, but that's not accurate.
1: Well, I talked to you in 2017, and now it's 2018. Yeah. I hadn't talked to you since yeah. last year. Never gets old. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, so uh, we've we've been chatting for a little bit, and we've each had some adventures over the over the break. And uh, yeah, it's uh, nothing we're going to bore our audience with. No. but
1: well, uh, oh, I mean. lots of fun. You had adventures. I had a bunch of misadventures. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so we don't boil uh, boil. <laughs> so we don't bore Yeah, we don't boil anything. <laughs> so we don't bore our people. Let's just jump right into our emails. And our first one comes from Mike who asked about comparing files. Hello Larry and Bill. I am looking for software that will compare files on a hard drive to determine duplicate files. Do you have any suggestions or could you do a show on disk slash file maintenance? Thanks for the great podcast, Mike. Long time listener. Uh, okay, Larry, I'm throwing this one over to you because I don't care about duplicate files. I uh, actually, I don't. I don't know. What do you guys?
0: Yeah, there are some applications out there that run in Linux that allow you to. Uh, determine if files are duplicates, and I don't use them either. Uh, So let's do a quick uh, Linux duplicate file finder. Let's see what we get. Okay. Uh, Now that we've done our quick little search, since Bill, neither you nor I do this on a regular basis, we've had to go out and look. Um, there are a couple of things that we can recommend that we know uh, have been around for a long time, or at least one of them has been around a long time. And that is what, Bill?
1: Uh, you got diff.
0: So diff is one of those where it's going to give you, uh, the difference between two files. In other words, it, it takes, generally it's used for text files Mm -hmm. and, uh, you, run the command give it both files and it does if i remember correctly it's been a long time since i've used it but as i recall it's a command line and it gives you two columns one the first file uh, this the other one the second file of course but it's not listing everything in the file it just lists those passages in the in the document that are different from one another now so, uh, the,
1: the question is what what kind of files? Because there's different, you know, you have different uh, files on a Linux system. You have, uh, you know, different configurations that you know it might it might have saved one. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, application files. You've got audio files. So we probably need to have a little bit more information about what type of files he's wanting to compare because you know diff will, probably wouldn't work that, that well again on uh, the uh, audio side or so what you could uh uh what we could do is if we could get some more information from mike we could uh and we we could actually look and see what some decent uh some decent programs uh and maybe do a a, a show on them so you know here yeah yeah because we just don't have enough information because we i mean what diff does di- uh the uh text files but we don't know how well it would work against it because neither one of us do a lot of checking uh for duplicate duplicate files so right
0: yeah and the other thing is usually for things like photos and that kind of thing you you want to be able to find duplicates and eliminate duplicate of photos and maybe there are other kinds of files that you want and a program like diff is is really meant for text files so if you're looking for finding duplicate files and then just removing the duplicate files regardless of what kind they are uh, we'll have a link to an article by itsfoss.com where they're talking about a graphical user interface kind of program that is um, called F S And what this does is it, as <laughs> the name doesn't suggest, <laughs> but <laughs> as the description gives, uh, it, it uh, searches for duplicate files and then gives you the option to remove the duplicate files. They talk about a command line tool called fdupes as well, F-D-U-P-E-S and that might be an alternative too so if you can give us a little bit more information about exactly what it is you're trying to do maybe we can uh, provide a little more useful information
1: yep thanks for the email
0: all right our next email is from paul and after purchasing his fifth t400 paul found the answer to why his thinkpad wi-fi was not working so a little background in the bios network and Wi-Fi was turned on. However, he found that when booting up his Linux Mint 18.2, the wireless card simply wouldn't respond. And before I could even respond to his email, he sent me another one, and it reads this. Larry and Bill, hold everything. Okay, I found the problem. I didn't know there was a Wi-Fi hard switch on the front of the case in the off position. So after looking at forum after forum, I just changed the position of the switch and now the laptop Wi-Fi is enabled. Well, I guess I will be wearing a paper bag over my head during the next listener feedback podcast. Forgive me for taking up your time on something like this. Thanks for all your support, Paul in North Texas, or maybe I should sign anonymous (laughs) Linux user and going Linux listener.
1: (laughs) Okay, Paul, I'll, I'll just, Go ahead and give you one of my dark secrets. I've done something just as stupid. I was like, "It won't work. It won't work." And Larry's like, "Did you turn the key, the Wi-Fi on?" And then we're going searching through and I'm like, "Uh, click. Uh, yeah, yeah. And now it's working now." So, yeah. <laughs> it it believe me, we all do it, but it's okay. Hey, at least you uh owned it but you're not alone i do stupid stuff all the time just ask larry (laughs) yeah we both do (laughs) yeah
0: and especially when you've got multiple places you can turn something off like like wi-fi like in the bios and then there's maybe a key combination that turns it off and then there's a software option that turns it off and
1: (laughs) yes none of them (laughs) relates to one another you know so so two seconds worth of penance and you're good all right yeah you're good uh we got another email. Is this from the St. Paul? It is from the St. Okay. Paul. Okay. We got another email from the St. Paul who asks about our opinion about wiping a hard drive. And he writes, hi, Larry. Hmm. I guess he knows that you're the one that knows what you're doing around here. I've done some research online on this, and I'd like to get your suggestion for the best method to completely wipe data off a hard drive disk drive. Looks like there are several options available, but I'm curious if you have used a particular method or program that has worked successfully for you. Thanks again, Paul.
0: Okay, Paul. Uh, one that I know is uh, is really good is something called DBAN, D-B-A-N, Derek's Boot and Nuke. Uh, it allows you to uh, completely wipe a hard drive. Uh, the one that has probably become the most famous around is the one that a uh, certain presidential candidate <coughs> used to <laughs> wipe a server uh and and not with a cloth <laughs> <laughs> uh and that's bleachbit yes. uh bleachbit is uh is 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 a good tool for that uh there are several others out there all you do is go to google and say uh, you know, uh, military grade uh, d- hard disk wiping. And it'll give you several tools that you can use, including those.
1: Yeah. Uh, just uh, a word of caution with beach bit is be very careful with it because uh, you hit the wrong button, it's going to wipe it. Yep. I yep. should know from experience because I had a, I'm going to call it a Paul moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh no let's not do that to paul
1: okay okay it was a it was a bill moment then okay okay uh hit the wrong uh, button right. and it just said okay click oh well that was not that good a deal so anyway
0: yeah. uh, anybody who's used a computer has done the same thing uh, all right uh only me uh let's let's go on to our next email from craig he has a question or two Hi, Larry and Bill. I am just wondering if you or your listeners could recommend either a cheap mini PC or router that runs Linux that I could load some internet content filtering software on that would block off certain things such as porn from all devices on my network. I have small children and as they get older, I want to ensure things are kept safe in my home. I have a DSL modem and want to filter both ethernet connected and wireless devices, but will need to connect this to the DSL modem. Also looking for software recommendations. Thanks so much. Keep up the good work on the show. Okay, probably something that neither you or I deal with on a regular basis, no. Bill. Am I safe to say that?
1: Yeah, pretty much uh, safe to say that. Uh, I would uh, suggest maybe using. Uh, isn't there? I can't remember what it was, Larry, but there was an open source program that was like. Um, uh, I don't know if it's called net nanny or something along those lines that you could install on the, the, the computers that you need to have filter and you could add and, and come with a, a list. And then if you need to add one, you could uh, type of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so let me see here. I've just, yeah. And for people looking for software recommendations, here's a very good site. It's called alternative to dot net. Ah. And you can go there and if you know the name of any one piece of software or even close uh, pieces of software that you want an alternative for or you're just looking at what, what's available out there, um, you can go to alternative2.net, tell it what software and it'll give you the option of filtering by the type of license that is like open source or proprietary and then the platforms. Uh, that it's available for, so there is something called NetNanny, and I think that is a proprietary software program, if I remember correctly. Um, but the one that is most popular for Linux is something called Dan's Guardian. and Dan's Guardian is open source. It works on Linux and FreeBSD and uh, Mac and a bunch of others. And it uh, it was discontinued in 2012, but it's still quite functional, still quite popular. There's also a SquidGuard program. Haven't used it. Don't know too much about it. There are uh, things like uh, ProCon and other things that are browser based, but uh, really, that's not what you what you want. If I remember. Uh, Yeah, Uh, correctly. You're looking for something more for the entire computer and something like Net Natty or something like uh, Dan's Guardian is best. And Dan's Guardian, you can install on a computer. And if I remember correctly, again, it's not something that I've used in a long time or looked at in a long time, but uh, it is um, something that you can install on a um, on a router or or that kind of thing. Um, So anyway, that's uh, that's the recommendation there.
1: And I'll look around and see if I can't find something uh, that's you know that isn't uh, uh, maybe we don't know about and see if it's you know I have to do some research. But that's a very good question. Um, yeah, you definitely don't want the uh, the the kitties going to the wrong sites. So if I run yeah. across anything, I'll email it to Larry and we we'll uh, we can send it to you or we'll mention the next show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if I take the uh, open source filter off of here and look for alternatives to NetNanny, it continues to have Dan's Guardian at the top of the list. It comes up with a couple of others that are free. Uh, they're not saying they're open source, but it does say they're free, as in free of charge. Yeah. Something called an NX filter. Never heard of that one. Something called Gate Sentry. It's uh web software. All yeah. Both of those work on... Linux and other things, including Raspberry Pi, uh, in the case of Gate Sentry. Huh. Um, so that that might be uh, an alternative for you as well. If you're looking for some hardware uh, and your existing router doesn't give you the ability to install anything, a Raspberry Pi would be an inexpensive um, way of getting um uh, some hardware that you could run Linux on and install software on that would uh, give you this kind of filtering and put that between your internet service and the computers on your network, and yeah. that might be a way to go. And if you get a Raspberry Pi three, it has a an Ethernet connection and a Wi-Fi connection, so you can use it as a as a router without any additional hardware or anything.
1: Oh, cool! All right, our next email comes from Ken. He needs a recommendation. Larry, I know that you have gone to Ubuntu Mate after being a long-time user of Mint. I was wondering why you favor um, Mate Ubuntu versus Mint. Is it performance style security or what? I tried Mate or Mate shortly after you moved to Mate Ubuntu, but I feel more comfortable with Mint. So I went back to Cinnamon Mint where I have two recent... HP i5 desktops and one AMD home assembled desktop, and a Lenovo i7 T420 laptop running cinnamon mint. Since I will have a new HP i7 laptop, and I'm wondering if I should reconsider my OS choice, especially if, they are, if there are security concerns. We use uh, we use that computers for general office, photo, and ham radio. P.S. Congratulations. Good luck on the new Mate books. They should be really great for folks using Mate, especially newbies. Thanks a bunch, Ken KB4XT.
0: Yeah, so Ken, um, I would stick with whatever you like. Uh, My reason for switching to Ubuntu Mate is mainly a matter of personal preference. Uh, There's no security concern with Mint that I'm aware of, and if you prefer Mint, especially if you prefer cinnamon over mate, I'd recommend you stay with mint cinnamon. Yeah. Um, And my reasons for moving to Ubuntu Mate are these. I have two. First, I always liked the look of GNOME 2, even after it became Mate. And I found that I always reconfigured the cinnamon desktop when I was using Linux Mint, with two panels, one at the top and one at the bottom, so that it looked and behaved like Gnome 2. And I get that out of the box with Ubuntu Mate. The other reason I liked Ubuntu over Mint is that Mint changed the way they do releases so that they're based on the Ubuntu long-term support releases. The advantage that Mint is going for is the stability of building on a long-term support base. Eliminating the possibility and the potential instability of Ubuntu's interim releases. Um, that's great for most people, but I wanted to stay a little bit more on the cutting edge and the most recent features of, of Linux. And so Ubuntu Mate is that middle ground that gives me the ability to stay on those interim releases uh, and have the desktop environment that I am very happy with. Uh, quite Personally, I like the default icon theme of Cinnamon a lot better than the icon theme, the default icon theme that's on Ubuntu Mate. But that may be the Mint team as opposed to the Cinnamon team doing that. But other than that, um, yeah, for you, go with what you prefer. Uh, There's nothing wrong with Mint uh, from a technical perspective or a security concern perspective. All right. Chris also wants a recommendation, and he writes, Greetings, Larry and Bill. First off, thank you for the work you put into producing what is an excellent podcast. I am fairly seasoned with Linux these days, but we all have to start somewhere. And for me, my journey started with resources such as Linux Format Magazine and your podcast, which has given me some excellent pointers along the way. My reason for contacting you is to get your recommendation on a centralized configuration management solution that could be utilized across a Linux environment, akin to what you can do with GPOs in Windblows. wind blows. Uh, Typically I manage remote endpoints and services via scripting, but this isn't without its challenges and isn't really all that scalable without me doing all of the heavy lifting the hard way. Also, If I were hit by a bus tomorrow, I'm not sure the person following me would be able to make sense of how I write my scripts, even though I leave awesome comments in there. I have played around with Puppet, but I am far from an expert. I have also heard good things about Chef, but have yet to try it. I often get pointed towards Ansible and other commercial products, but I'm firmly in the Foss camp. So do not consider them an option. Keep up the great work. And may I wish you both happy holidays. Kind regards, Chris in London, UK. Okay. Um, This is more in the enterprise networking area where you're trying to manage multiple computers in a single environment. So that's not an area that I am an expert in. I know that folks like Ken in our uh, minion network, and I'm not going to put the echo on it this time, the minion network (laughs) out there, uh, has has a good deal of experience in his professional life of supporting multiple computers in that kind of an environment. And so I'm looking to Ken or someone else in our uh, audience who might be able to give you some recommendations there, Chris. Uh, The ones that you have suggested ansible and puppet and chef and so on i've heard of have had no experience with and wouldn't know what to do with them? Even if I you know, <laughs> installed them on my computer, because I'm my 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 network here at home is something where I just walk over to the computer to manage it, as opposed to <laughs> doing it from some sort of central server. So uh, not very fancy. How about you, Bill?
1: Uh, don't look at me. That's still that enterprise <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, exactly. I don't know what half that stuff is. So sorry, I'm not much help. I'm. More of the gamer lackey type, so I can't help you. But uh, Ken, our small box admin, probably (laughs) Ken.
0: Exactly. And there are several others out there who, who have had experience with this and can make some intelligent recommendations as opposed to the... Uh, Lack of intelligence recommendations (laughs) that that we're making here. Sorry. Let's move on to Jeff's email, shall we?
1: Yeah, Jeff wrote about the back channel connections to uh, Solace. Um, he He writes, Hi, guys. Thanks for including my email on your show. As requested, I've attached links to products I mentioned. I did actually embed the links in the original email, although they weren't all that obvious. Sorry. I I don't have any back channel links to Ike at Solace uh project, but I've attached a screenshot of his Twitter account profile if that helps. Thanks again for your contributions to the community. Cheers Jeff. And he leaves uh we, we put the links uh, to a cloning doc, the eSATA doc, and the SATA to eSATA cable bracket uh, uh, links, so you can go look at those in the show notes. And then I looked at Ike's uh, photo and realized that he looks like he could kill me with just looking at me. So uh, <laughs> he looks like he's really uh, you know daring anybody to... Uh, Talk to him. So no, seriously. Uh, I thank you for everything you did, and uh, uh, I uh don't use Twitter, so I will continue on. So anybody has you know some connections with Ike tell him that uh, Larry from Going Linux wants to talk to him because he probably doesn't know who the heck I am. <laughs> Uh, right okay
0: but anyway yeah yeah, if we can can arrange an interview that'd be great yeah i'd
1: love i'd love to talk to him because i've been playing around with it uh you know i have my favorites and you know he i like some of the stuff he does and uh i like some of his uh thoughts and uh have you played with uh solace any
0: um i've installed it and played with it a little bit but i can't say i've used it in, oh. in any sort of uh production you know, a concerted way yeah exactly so okay. uh, yeah i've i've tried it out just to say that i've tried it out but
1: yeah it seems like it's a project with uh some good um ideas behind it so uh anyway our next email comes from justin what do you have to say
0: well he wrote a very long email so let's do it in two parts okay okay All right. So first part. Hi, guys. I just stumbled across your podcast this week, and I'm really enjoying listening up on the topics you are discussing. I wanted to share my experience, perhaps for discussion point in the future for you guys. My main daily drivers are Windows 10, mainly for gaming and Mac OS for everything else for me i had previously dabbled in linux having been exposed to it in my old job of mine back in nineteen ninety nine to two thousand i stopped using it for a long time as it was buggy and hard to use and only once in a while tried some of the free distro dvds that came in the magazines here and there Now, at the very end of 2017, I decided to dive in. It's been easier than in the past, but also frustrating at the same time. Lots of fantastic and fun distros to try and use. So I've been having a blast. As much as I am loving Linux and transitioning to using it as a daily driver, there are a couple of frustration points for me as a new slash returning user. I own a Raspberry Pi 2 for an arcade build and recently bought a Pi 3 to have Wi-Fi included on board and uses a cheap computer. Lots of distros to use on ARM processor, which is great. I ran live USBs on my main PC to test out distros and recently brought back to life an old MacBook running only Linux Zubuntu.
1: And then he continues by writing, points of frustration. Why do I get the points of frustration?
0: Because um, it was the... It's your turn.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> the Pi 3 and Wi-Fi. Why? Oh, why? Are there some issues with getting a Wi-Fi working on a Pi 3? There are distros built specifically for the Pi. However, they don't support the Wi-Fi out of the box. So annoying. Almost impossible to get working. I also brought a late 2008 MacBook back to life. It has a Core 2 Duo, 3 gigabyte RAM, 160 gig hard drive. Runs great now. However, the Wi-Fi issue again. Some Broadcom chips. Really, really annoying to get it working as a new user. Using a Zubuntu at present, it's working really well. Themes. I love the themes. However, they seem to be easier to install from the XFCE websites. It's not easy to get them installed. Well, not for me. I install and nothing happens half the time. Tried most of the main distros available for my MacBook staying with Ubuntu as it seems to be fairly stable. Although, we wanted to use Solace OS as it looks pretty, but it kept freezing with some applications opening. I like the idea of Ubuntu Mate, but it's not the prettiest. Sorry, guys. I know you love it, but it's a bit old-looking. Ha-ha. <laughs> I might try it again and install some of the themes I'm using uh, for Zubuntu, although I only have three three gigabyte of RAM on the MacBook, and Mate seems to recommend three gigabyte, whereas Zubuntu I think runs on less. Anyway, hope my rant hasn't bored you. Just thought it, I'd share my thoughts as a new returning user. Love it so far, and loving your podcast. Thanks, thank you, Justin from Australia. Okay, um, I've got a few things uh, that you might want to try, Larry. Okay, go for it. Um, now I'm a fanboy, so take that with as the disclaimer. But I had a uh, old uh, uh, MacBook that was very similar to that one. Uh, I think almost identical in its uh, configuration, and uh, I uh, was playing with PC Link's OS, and it ran really well. And for some reason, uh, the Wi-Fi worked out of the box. Um, I know. Broadcom has always been a little bit of a thorn in the side for some people. Uh, it's gotten better as they've included more and more drivers into the kernel. But uh, it, I would say uh, you you can look at uh, PC Links OS. Uh, I, it's, it's one of my daily drivers. And, uh, and that, along with uh, uh, Ubuntu Mate, I know they're always adding stuff to that one. Uh, I don't run... Uh, Mate all the time. Larry's the fanboy for them. And uh, But, Larry, you have uh, an old MacBook that you're running Linux on, don't you? Uh,
0: not an old MacBook, oh. but I've run a lot of uh, old PCs. And I can certainly empathize with the frustration that Justin yeah, uh, is going through because the You know, many people, when they start to use Linux for the first time, are not wanting to put it on their shiniest and newest computer, because they're just trying it, and they're not sure they like it, they're going to like it, and they want to see how it works, and... Part of the reason for the frustration is the fact that you're trying to make it work on old hardware and oftentimes the old hardware is using this Broadcom Wi-Fi chip that is so difficult to get working under Linux because of Broadcom, not because of Linux. Yeah. And, you know, there are other frustrations on older hardware that can happen. I mean, Linux is a great way to get the older hardware working, but for a newbie, it can be very, very difficult, especially with Wi-Fi. Yeah. So uh, here's a recommendation that I have for anyone uh, installing Linux of any sort on an older computer or an underpowered computer like a Raspberry Pi. Not that Raspberry Pis are underpowered for what they're designed to do, but compared with, you know, a, a Core i7, uh, you know, laptop these mm-hmm. days, uh, it's it's significantly lower powered. Uh, is this? Um, I, as you know, use Ubuntu Mate, and Ubuntu Mate has a lot of support out of the box for older. Uh, chipsets like the Broadcom chipset. Unfortunately, when you are running it uh, from a live DVD or a live USB, uh, it's using some Wi-Fi configuration to get it up and running that after installation isn't installed by default. And so the strategy I use is this. When you install Ubuntu MATE in particular for the first time. And, and this, is, this is the one distribution where uh, I know that Broadcom, if it's going to work out of the box, is going to work with this distribution, Ubuntu MATE. Um, install Ubuntu MATE the way you normally would. And if you can connect by Ethernet cable, which bypasses that Wi-Fi card, Or if you can afford to go on eBay or on Amazon and get a little Wi-Fi dongle, USB Wi-Fi dongle. And I I bought a $5 TP-Link Wi-Fi dongle just for this purpose. You plug it in, you use it because it works just perfectly with any Linux distribution out there. And it doesn't have to be TP-Link. It can be any of them. And it doesn't have to be expensive. And use that to install. Now, what that does for you is when you install Ubuntu Mate, it gives you a couple of checkboxes. And those checkboxes are these. One is install proprietary drivers or words to that effect. And I think it's uh, install audio something, something uh, as you're installing the distribution. And then the other checkbox is get the latest software updates as you are uh, installing it. So it goes to the internet and and does that so that after you're finished the installation, you've got the most recent software. Now what happens is after you reboot into the installed system, uh, Ubuntu Mate has a welcome application. You go into that welcome application and you click on getting started. And the first thing you do is go to the button that says updates and extras, right? Mm -hmm. And you... Click that check for updates. It will find updates. One of the updates it finds is the proprietary driver for that Broadcom chipset. If you have it in your computer. Now what you do is you restart your computer. Uh, and for newbies, I recommend restarting the computer. There are re- ways to restart the, the the Wi-Fi without having to restart the computer, but the easiest way for newbies is restart the computer after you've done those updates from the welcome, and all of a sudden your Broadcom connection will start working, and Wi-Fi will be fantastic. You can undo the cable, you can undo that uh, that little uh, USB Wi-Fi dongle, and just use the built-in chipset cool Uh, my son bought me a raspberry pi 3 for christmas and so i promptly followed the instructions and booted it into a raspbian which i hated Uh, and uh, then i installed the raspberry pi version of ubuntu mate on there of course Uh, and the same thing happened there the the chipset on the uh, Raspberry Pi didn't work out of the box, but as soon as I was able to, uh, and by the way, the Raspberry Pi comes with um, a, a, an Ethernet port, so I just clicked uh, clicked in a cable, uh, got the updates, and rebooted, and without any other configuration, it worked just fine. So there you go. That's that's my recommendation for newbies trying to get. Uh, an old computer with linux running especially if it's got wi-fi from broadcom
1: yeah that that uh that whole process of connecting to ethernet uh, when you first install it it works on a lot of uh, linux distros especially if you have one that's not working if you can get to a hard line as they call it you know the the cable usually when you get to updates everything starts working so Yeah. yeah yeah
0: Yeah, there's only so much they can fit on a, a DVD and on a um, uh, on a USB stick. So oftentimes, <laughs> there's stuff you just have to get as updates after you've done the installation, and this is one of them. And uh, uh, it's 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 a great way to get something working. Um, that that's really causing your frustration like it has for Justin. Yep. So as far as the theme is concerned, you know, I I wouldn't complain about Mate's theme when you're using XFCE. yeah if there's something that looks old uh it's really xfce but that's personal preference again so whatever you like is fine and uh yeah zubuntu is a a great way uh and and justin makes the comment that he thinks that zubuntu requires less uh in the terms of resources than ubuntu mate and i think you're absolutely right. I think it does. And I've noticed that Ubuntu Mate runs very slowly on that Raspberry Pi 3. But bear in mind, I'm used to running it on a uh, a Dell XPS 13 with an i7 processor and <laughs> 16 gigs of RAM.
1: And, you know, it's, yeah, it might uh, be a little faster. Just a little, <laughs> but so it's painfully slow on a Raspberry <laughs> Pi. Well, you gotta understand that Xfce. If you go to their uh, website, it says it's made for lightweight or low resource computers. You can run it on high yeah. resource, but it's made to run on some computers that might not have the oomph that the new uh, uh, Dell XPS uh, thirteen with seven, <laughs> with an i seven yeah, half. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, um, and a lot of these distributions are great options for these older computers. Uh, though uh, One of the reasons I like Ubuntu Mate and recommend it for newbies is because it it really does seem to work with just about all the hardware that's out there with this little quirk of the Broadcom chip and having to do all your updates and then it starts working. Um, it's It's really good for newbies who are just trying it out on whatever old hardware they've got lying around just to see how it works. Uh, And they've they've put a lot of effort into making things work out of the box for newbies without requiring a lot of uh, fiddling and tweaking and that sort of thing. And they do a good job of that. And it it's not the lowest resource Linux distribution out there in terms of its basic requirements, but it's pretty low requirements. And uh, as a result, it'll work on just about
1: anything out there,
0: including the Raspberry Pi works really great. They have a special version for
1: for uh, Raspberry Pi. Awesome.
0: Okay. I think that wraps it up for us, Bill.
1: Well, cool. That's, uh, yeah.
0: well, you know,
1: that's quite a few emails for uh, over the holidays.
0: <laughs> yes. People were people are busy, and that's good. Yes. Uh, trying out their new computers and uh, retiring their old yeah, computers. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, here's a question
1: for our listeners. If you get any cool new uh computers tech whatever or send us an email and tell us how you like it and, you, and if you use linux tell us uh what you're using it for and uh we'll uh include it in the uh the show
0: absolutely well we've got a lot of ideas for our next episode bill but uh we haven't decided on one so uh, we'll announce that when we start our next episode
1: <laughs> well then they'll know won't they <laughs>
0: Exactly. I mean, why should we break with our format (laughs) (laughs) at this point, right?
1: Yes. Guess what our next episode is going to be. Yes. Guess If you guess uh, what our next uh, episode is, uh, you'll get a mention. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe.
0: We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: If you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux Podcast Google Plus community.
0: Until next time,
1: thanks for listening. 73.